I want to talk about the penalty for transgression because these series of lectures that I've been doing where right now we're dealing with the law of God a lot of people say the law was done away with but the law is not only a perpetual covenant between God and his children that he may sanctify them and that they may know that he is their God but we also looked at we started off looking at the law of God and then the perpetuity of the law and then we looked at why was the law given at Sinai and that was pretty good because the Israelites after they came out of Egypt they had no idea after being in bondage over 400 years and after we looked at the law given at Sinai what did the Israelites say unto Moses in Exodus 20 we know that the Ten Commandments are in Exodus 22 through um, 2 through 18 or 2 through 17 to be exact and in verse 18 what did the people say the Bible says in Exodus 20 18 and all the people saw thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and look at that and the mountain smoking have mercy so not only did they hear thunderings and lightnings this is how powerful a God that we serve or if we don't serve that ruleth over all nations kindreds tongues and people and in Exodus 20:18 and the people saw thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and when the people saw it what does the bible say they removed and stood afar off now watch this in verse 19 and they said unto Moses speak thou with us and we will hear but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses comes with a little bit of a comfort in verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Bible says in Exodus 20, 20, Moses speaking says, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear or reverence may be before your faces, and that ye sin not. So God is saying, you know what, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So he says, I've come to prove whether I am the God that sanctifieth you, and are you the children that reverence me and keep my commandments. And so, after this, we know that God gives a, a law, but then guess what? There is a penalty for breaking the law. No government can exist without a law. France, during the French Revolution, right around 1797-1798, there was something called a French Revolution going on, and they enacted atheism. The goddess of reason was their god. And in three and a half years, that country went to ruin. Now, 
I want to jump into my first question here. I want to ask the question, what is the wages of sin? And if you turn over to Romans 6.23, we're going to get a definition of what the wages of sin are. And in Romans 6.23, the Bible says what? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, God is saying, which one are you going to accept? Are you going to accept sin, which according to 1 John 3, 4, and let's turn over there right now. So let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. And the Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is what? The transgression of the law. So now if we go back to Romans 6.23, the Bible says, interpreted by itself, for the wages of sin or the wages of transgressing God's Ten Commandments or His law is death. Do you see that? Now, in Genesis 2.17, watch this in Genesis 2.17. The Bible says in Genesis 2.17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt what? Surely die. So, we've seen that God sets a command to Adam and Eve in the garden. And he says, you know what? You can eat all these trees. You can eat everything you want. Come over here to the corner of the garden, Adam. Look out. He's told, Adam is told what? Go out and subdue the earth. He had dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air. He had total dominion over this earth that we now live on. But now watch this. In six in Genesis 2.17, God says one rule is all I ask. This tree of knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. Or that surely die means begin to die. They did not die immediately. They began to die. Can you imagine the look on Adam's face when he seen the first leaf fall? Or when he seen the first flower die after it was picked? He, it, it, you know he had to have wept. Now watch it, Ezekiel. 18.4, we're going to Ezekiel 18, verse 4. The Bible says what? Behold, all souls are mine, good and evil, righteous and wicked. He says they're all mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. He says no matter what generation you're born into, you're mine. And then he says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Do you see that? So, what are these wages of sin that we see? We see, one, the wages of sin is death, or the transgression of God's law is death. And in Genesis 2.17, Adam and Eve were told, the day that thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. And we found in Ezekiel 18.4, the Bible clearly says, The soul that sinneth, 
it shall die. And God can in no wise clear the guilty, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Now, there's a problem of willful sin. God says in the times of their ignorance, God winks at it. He says in the time of their ignorance, God winked at these people. Watch this in Acts 17.30. Turn over with me with Acts 17.30. And the Bible says in Acts 17.30, And the times of this ignorance, what ignorance? The ignorance that man is unknowingly doing what he's doing. At the time of this ignorance, God winked at it. But, which is a conjunction, now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So what do we repent from? We repent from sin. So God says, if you do that thing unknowingly, I'm going to give you grace. But once truth is brought home to the heart, he says he commands all men everywhere to repent of that sin. And I even find it in Proverbs 28.13. And let's go over to Proverbs 28.13 for a second. Solomon, in all his glory and riches, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God had him right. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. So again, what is sin? Transgression of the law. So if I continue to transgress the law of God, and I cover that thing, or in another words, I continue to go back to that thing, the Bible says what? Man shall not prosper. But now watch this. But whoso confesseth, that's with the mouth, Lord forgive me, for I have transgressed your law, and forsaketh, which means a turning away and not doing anymore. The Bible says them shall have mercy. So again, if we continue to go back to that sin that so easily besets us, the Bible says you shall not prosper. But whoso confess and forsake, them shall have mercy. So we see it takes a turning away from the willful sin. Now, we know God is merciful. And we know the Bible says God is love. But does God clear the guilty? Does God, does he clear the guilty? Now, turn with me to Numbers 14.18. This is how merciful of a God we serve. Turn with Numbers 14.18. The Bible says, the Lord is long-suffering. And that word long-suffering is a patient, is a slow to anger. He says, I am very patient with you, and I am very slow to anger. But now watch this. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity, which is a continuing sin, and transgression, which is a once sin. And watch what it says. And by no means clearing the guilty. He says, I can in no wise clear the guilty. Had God been able to clear the guilty, Adam and Eve would still be in the garden to this day. 
and we would still be going freely in and out of the garden. So God says, you know what? I'm long-suffering. I am of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But now watch this. And by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. God says, I can by no means clear the guilty. Watch this in Exodus 34. Turn over with me to Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7. And the Bible says, and now we're dealing with Moses talking to Pharaoh in Egypt. God said, I've seen the affliction of my people. Now, therefore, you go, Moses. So in Exodus 5, verse 5 through 7, the Bible says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day a taskmaster of the people, and their officers, saying, Watch this, ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, and herefore let them go and gather straw for themselves. So, did Pharaoh clear any of the Israelites? No, he made it harder on those people. So, God is merciful, but he cannot clear the guilty. Now, when the Israelites were taken captive into Egypt, okay, they transgress God's laws. And whenever we step outside of God's protection, we willingly give ourselves over to the powers of the dark side. Do you see that? And these forces, now, here's Egypt, we're born into it, we're a slave to it, we work in it, our clothes are made by Egyptians, and now we have taskmasters or bosses over us, and they make our jobs harder and harder with no mercy. And I don't know if any of you are in the corporate environment, but I was in it for seven years, just got out of it, and my life was in a position of constant servitude. There was never a good moment that this company looked at me and said, well done. It was always, what more can you do? What more can you do? What more? You did 110% last month, give us 120 this month. You done this this month, give us that next month. So, we're talking about willful sin. Says, the Bible says what? The Lord is long-suffering, but by no means clearing the guilty. Now, if we willfully sin, the Bible says there remaineth no more sacrifice, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. And you can find that in the book of Hebrews. Now, and we're going to actually go to that in Hebrews 10, 26, 29. And I'm going to give you a little more, little exactation on the clarification of this Bible text. The Bible says, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth what? No more sacrifice for sins. Watch 28. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Now watch. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy 
under two or three witnesses. Of how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and unholy thing and have done despite the Spirit of grace. So what is the result of willful sin? It says if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for man. And then it says, Shall he be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God? No, if you trodden underfoot the Son of God, you crucify him and put him to an open shame. Every time we go back to that known sin, we crucify the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Watch this now. A lot of people show me this text. Go to 1 John 2.1. 1 John 2.1. And in 1 John 2.1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that, if, that ye what? Sin not. That ye what? Transgress the law of God not. And then the Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. Oh, okay, so hold on now. I had to look at this, 1 John 3, 2. So if it says, if I sin, I have an advocate. So does this mean I can continue to sin until Jesus Christ comes back? Or is it more in the lines of Hebrews 10, 26 through 29, where it says, he that sins willfully, there remaineth no sacrifice. Remember we said in the time of their ignorance, God winks at it? That's who the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous is. So these people that are under grace, these people that are under grace that don't know that they're living in sin, they have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But once you and I have been called out of darkness into marvelous light, the Bible says we understand the will of the Father. He revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So once we come into spiritual harmony with God's will, he opens up the oracles of God or the clear injunction of Scripture on this is the way, walk ye in it. Do you see that? So if we sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But once we gained a knowledge of that sin, and now it becomes a willful, disobedient transgression of God's law, it says there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And then he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. So Moses' even the book of the law, which is placed on the side of the ark, these were an explanation or an expounding on God's moral law that was placed inside the ark. These Israelites, when they were just taken out of Egypt, they had no clue on some of the things that God requires. So Moses had to go, okay, you know what? You kill an ox, you got to give two back. You see somebody in need, you got to help. He had to break it down elementary, almost whiteboarding with a crayon for these people because they were 
430 years in captivity, you can imagine how many generations are in 430 years. Grandparents, great-grandparents. So these people had such a misunderstanding of God's will that Moses, what? He had to what? He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much more sore punishment. So the Bible says how much more sore punishment. Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God because Jesus Christ himself wrote the Ten Commandments on the pillars of sapphire, which was we know as the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine getting these beautiful pillars or plaques, total sapphire, with God or Jesus Christ's finger writing them? And you might say, Jesus Christ didn't come from God. Well, these three agree, because they are one. Ever since man sinned, Jesus Christ has been the mediator. Jesus Christ was the voice in the midst of the garden when Adam and Eve were hiding in the trees. Jesus Christ was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day to keep the Israelites warm and cool in the daytime and hot and warm in the evening. Jesus Christ was on the mount writing the Ten Commandments for Moses. So the Bible says, how much more sore punishment, how much shall ye be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God? And hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. And have done despite unto the spirit of grace. That's Hebrews 10, 26-29. Now to whom has execution of judgment been committed? Whom has execution of judgment been committed? Watch this in Romans 12, 19. We're turning to Romans 12, 19. And the Bible says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. So it actually says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So, God is saying, recompense no man to evil for evil. He says what? If thine enemy hunger feed him. If he thirst give him drink. But watch this now. He says avenge not yourself. Pray for your enemies. It says but rather give place unto wrath. That means submit to it. Because why? God is your protector. The Bible then says, for it is written, vengeance is mine. So who gets the vengeance? God gets the vengeance. And you know what? He calls it a strange act. He really does. It's a strange act for God. He, him, when he has to destroy the wicked, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Watch this. Turn to Isaiah 28, 21, and I'll show you how much God enjoys vengeance or execution of judgment upon the sinner isaiah 28 21 the bible says for the lord shall rise up in mount perism he shall be wroth that's angry 
as in the valley of Gibeon, that they may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God says, I do not like to see of anybody having to be destroyed. Also, in Ezekiel 33.11, turn to Ezekiel 33.11. You think God is going to enjoy destroying these people? The Bible is clear on the points how God is going to feel. Ezekiel 33.11, the Bible says, Speak unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will ye die, O house of Israel? He's talking to God's people. He says, if you continue to transgress my law, I will have to burn you up because sin, if it originates in the heart, God says, I love the sinner, but I'm a consuming fire to sin. So if we have not surrendered our sins unto the Lord and found true repentance and forsaken and turned away from that transgression, the Bible says there is a penalty. Do you see that? Now, we know a lot of people, they're pretty presumptuous. Presumption, presumption, believes God is going to save in transgression. Faith takes God at his word. But we have many people that pursue a course of presumption. Now watch this in Ecclesiastes 8.11. What presumptuous course do many pursue? Watch in Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. Let me find it. I know it's noted, but let me get to the verse. Ecclesiastes 8.11. Watch this. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. God is saying, because I don't pronounce it quick, your heart is going to do it more. And the more you continue to do that thing, the easier it is to do. The Bible says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of Son of Man is fully set in them to do evil. God says there is judgment coming. The Bible says every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God's going to then look at Satan and he's going to say, where are the subjects that you robbed me out of? And Jesus Christ is going to have tears in his eyes when he sat to pronounce, Ephraim is joined unto his idol, let him alone. And that is a sad position to be in. When God sees you in that position to where he says, my Holy Spirit cannot penetrate the heart no more. And then probation closes and do you have the Holy Ghost or has it been taken from you and you receive the mark of the beast and you're fully engaged to do the biddings of Satan and his angels? James 2.12 The Bible says, because we know judgment is sure, 
James 2.12, the Bible says, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Ecclesiastes 12.14, the Bible says, God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You think you can hide that thing from your wife or your husband? You think you can hide that thing from your parents or your children? God says, I'm going to bring every work into judgment. He says, whether it be good or whether, whether it be evil. He says, your sins are chronicled in a book of remembrance. And then if you're lucky enough, your name will not be blotted out from the Lamb's book of life. So you do not want to be found in the book of remembrance. You want to be found in the book of life. Now, what message has God sent by his ministers? What message has God sent by his ministers? Turn to Isaiah 3. Isaiah 3, verses 10 and 11. My question is, what message has God sent by his ministers? Isaiah 3, 10 and 11. The Bible says, Say ye to the righteous, that it shall be well with him. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hands shall be given him. So this message God has sent by his ministers. What does it say? Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hands shall be given. So what are we doing with our actions what are we doing with our lifestyle? Because thoughts become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become lifestyles. So just the thought, the Bible says, cast down your imaginations and everything that exalteth itself above what? The knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, Isaiah told his people. Now watch this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're turning to 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it's the same question. What message has God sent his ministers? And look at 5.20. Isaiah 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's steed, be ye reconciled to God. This message God has sent by his ministers, it, Paul wrote, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are debtors to do the will of God. It says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's seed, be reconciled, turn away from that sin, and don't do it anymore like Jesus told the lady. Go and sin. He says, lady, where are thine accusers? And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more was the command that Jesus gives to all his people. Watch this in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. 
Watch this message God sends by his messengers. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26 And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach, patient. You want to overcome that sin? Go teach somebody. Go instruct somebody. Reach out on Facebook. Send something out on YouTube. Comment on something that leads, leads somebody closer to Christ. Watch in 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That what? That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him, what? At his will. So this message God sends, he says what? Go out and teach and be patient and in meekness instructing those that oppress themselves by what? Their transgression that's going to fall a penalty to them at the second coming of Jesus Christ, they will be, be they will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. They will have to stay in the grave a thousand years to be resurrected, to be thrown into the lake of fire. So, now watch this. We know that this gift is given. There is a gift that's outside of the penalty for transgression. And look at John 3.16. Turn with me to John 3.16 and look at this gift of being obedient to God. John 3.16, probably the most well-known Bible verse you've ever seen. It's always been up next to that defense sign at the football game. The D and the fence. And then you got John 3.16. Nevertheless, we've all seen it before. John 3.16 and I don't watch football, nor I don't advocate sports, because we are told that all these things are in Galatians 5.19. All this variance, all these emulations, hatred, strife, wrath, idolatry. We idol these football players and basketball players and baseball players and hockey players. All these characteristics are found in sports. So if you're interested, message me. and I got a whole study on sports. And the Christian life. Um, but moving on. Watch this. Got a little off track. Uh, but let me reel it back in. Um, to whom is this gift given? Now watch in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. The promise is given that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the gift is for who? It's for everybody. The householder told his servants, go into the highways and byways and bid everybody. And they came back and they said, nobody wants to come. And he says, you know what? Go out the poor, the blind, the, the maimed, the lepers, bring them in. He says, they all can come in. This message, this gospel message is going out to everybody. Now, the Bible said in John 3, 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, how is this gift, re we know this, this gift is offered to everybody, but how is it received? 
And watch this in John 3.18. The Bible says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. And this belief is not a belief that I just believe and I'm going to continue to live my life. This is a belief according to Jude 24. This is the belief according to Jude 24. That the Bible says what in Jude 24? The Bible says that unto him that is able to keep you from falling, which is falling into sin, not falling on the ground, the him that is able to keep you from falling into sin and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And that word falling, when you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, it's a, it's an exceeding, it's a, very highly, because of reason, henceforth, vehemently, often used in the same composition with able to keep me perfect and able to keep me from falling into sin. Because Jude 24, to him that is able to keep you from falling <clears throat> and to present you faultless, this is the belief that we have when we believeth on him. And what? We are not condemned because we believe in the righteousness in Jesus Christ that he can keep us and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Do you see that? Now watch this in John 1.12. Turn over me with John 1.12. And how is this gift received? Now watch this in John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, this gift is received by as many as what received him. And then God says, okay, you're going to receive me. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to give you power to become sons of God. Even to them that what? Believe again on his name. Now, last question. Maybe. I don't know yet. But I think it's the last. How can man escape this penalty? How can man escape this penalty? Watch this. Remember we started in Romans 6.23? Let's go back to Romans 6.23. How can man escape this penalty? We went over in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's a gift, do you see that? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we escape? Because if the wages of sin or transgressing the law is death, but watch this, it's a gift from God. And it's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we escape? We receive the gift. If you give me a gift, if you give me a gift, and I say, hey, thank you for that gift, and I put it on the shelf and I never opened it, is it a gift? No, I've never opened it. I don't know what the gift is. For all I know, it could be a box of hundreds. Okay, got a little interrupted. Excuse me, had a phone call come through. Um, how, may we, how may we escape this penalty? Now, God, and we're on Romans 6.23, it's wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
God threatens to punish all who transgress these commandments. Which commandments? The Ten Commandments. We should therefore fear His anger and do nothing against such commandments. Right. So we should sit here and say, Lord, how can I sin against Thee when I know that the wages of that is death? Because Jesus in John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty simple. Jesus would not have given us the ability to keep the commandments if he not have told us to keep them. He said, I trust you enough to keep my Ten Commandments. Now, but God promises grace and every blessing to all who keep his Ten Commandments. We should therefore love and trust in him and gladly obey his commandments. Through the atonement of Christ, more honor is done to the law. And consequently, the law is more established than if the law had been literally executed and all mankind had been condemned. If we focus on the atoning blood of Christ, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God has given us a second probationary chance to get it right. And my prayer is that we all look to the Lord for grace, power, self-sufficiency. God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that's a precious promise that we can hold God to. So God does not want his people scared. Paul says what? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Henceforth, there's a crown laid up waiting for me. And let's have this faith of Paul to where he says, I press towards the mark of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. He says, I press. It's not an easy thing. But the calling is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are called to do. God says, I've created everybody for my glory. What you choose to do with it is your choice. My prayer is that you find strength in the word of God that he may enable you to move forward and to present you faultless before the throne with exceeding glory. In closing, let us pray. Father in heaven, I say a special prayer right now that you can give us victory over sin. Father, please lead us and guide us. We know time is short. Help us with our trials and tribulations of the sins that so easily beset us and help us stand victorious through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We address our prayers to the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. Forgive us for our sins. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.